and this is Out Loud at Gizmo, a saying my dad made up. This is a storytelling podcast where you will experience excitement and laughter and mind-blowing adventures. Today, I'll be talking with my Uncle Bill. He is Dave Pickett's only brother and youngest sibling. Hi, Bill. Hi. Good to talk to you. You have been rereading the book again, too, just like everybody else, right? Right. I read two or three chapters this morning. Oh, all right. (laughs) And you didn't know any of these stories because you weren't there being the youngest. (laughs) Not at all. I wasn't even thought of yet. Exactly. (laughs) Because daddy's the oldest. And then there's how many girls? Five. And then you. What's the age difference between you and daddy? 18 years. Whoa. So he could be like a dad to you. He could. Actually, wasn't he for a little while? Well, sort of. Yeah. He always used to come by and pick me up. He lived in Odessa and and I lived in Slayton. And he would come every year around Christmas time and take me to Oklahoma for a visit. Also, didn't you uh, live with them, mama and daddy in Bisbee, Arizona? Yeah. Well, for a short time, Sarah, I like to refer to her as my foster mother. She and I went to California and on our way back from California to Texas, we stopped in Bisbee and stayed there a few months. Oh, she was with you. Yes. Oh, okay. What's the difference between you and Edward age-wise? He was born in 1940 and I was born in 1936. So four years, give or take a few months. Actually, he was born 41. Oh, he was? Yeah. You're making him older. Well, I guess you have the prerogative to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now we're going to listen to the chapters, and we'll come back and talk some more. Chapter 3 This time we moved about 10 miles away, in the Arkansas River bottoms. Papa started cutting firewood for sale. This is early 1927. The place belonged to Mr. Vine, a two-room house with built-in shelves and a place to put groceries. That is if you had any groceries. Boy, we sure had a lot of rain. I remember Papa building a raft out of cypress logs, because the woods were flooded. I would go with him sometimes. He would cut a tree and float it to dry land and cut it into stove wood. I remember when the flood water went down, he would go out in the woods. Some of the stumps were 10 feet high. He would cut them stumps down and into firewood. This was the year of the floods, hailstorms, and even earthquake 1927. We didn't stay there very long. I forgot to mention, they didn't have a school down there. It's a wonder I am not dumber than I am. We moved back to Beech Grove for a little while. We heard from Grandpa that he and Guy had moved from Tom to Horseshoe Lake. Papa told Grandpa that if he would hire someone with a truck to come after us, he would pay for it. So, Grandpa hired Oliver Parks from Tom, who had a 1923 Model T flatbed truck with high side boards. No cab, just a seat on the gas tank. Oh boy, was I happy to get to ride in a truck. Well, here we go, again. Papa sold his horses and wagon and his farm equipment. They loaded all of our belongings. Mama and the girls got inside, and I got on top of the truck. Papa, Grandpa, and Mr. Parks rode in the driver's seat. 
Then we went by to tell Uncle Charlie and Esther and Lori goodbye. That was the saddest day of Mama's life. She told me later, I don't think I will ever see him again. And she never did. Well, we took off for Oklahoma. I think it took three days. We had car trouble and flat tires. I never knew you had trouble with trucks. I thought you only had trouble with horses and wagons. Because when our wagon wheels and rims got loose, we would stop our wagon in the creek and take a bucket and pour water over them until they would swell up and get tight. This time, I was seeing something new. It's the first time I ever saw anybody take a tire off, take the tube out, and patch it, put it back on, and go again. With me on top of the truck. Oh boy. Them fence posts were really going by fast. Mr. Park said we were going 25 miles an hour. Well, we got to Grandpa and Grandma and William and Rosa's house. Oh boy. It was sure going to be good having a boy to play with who was my age. We would take a wheelbarrow wheel and put a rod through it. We would hold it with both hands and our rear ends in the air and push them around for hours. Then we would raid Grandma's kitchen for fried chicken. Papa, Guy, George Baker and Grandpa did a lot of fishing and hunting. George Baker is Aunt Bessie's husband. They would hunt for coon and opossum for the skins, and get fish, rabbits, and squirrels for food. Grandma had a big garden. Grandpa and Guy had a crop of corn and peanuts. I went to school with William and Rosa to Horseshoe Lake School. I don't remember if Viva started to school there or not. I don't believe she did, cause we only lived there a little while. I remember one day at school, William and me saw some girls go in the outhouse. We broke off a tree limb. We took the limb, stuck it up under the back of the outhouse, and shook it. The leaves on it sounded like a rattlesnake. Oh boy, you talk about screaming. It sounded like Elvis Presley being on stage at a girls' convention. We took off down a hill and came back to school from a different direction. The teacher and a bunch of the bigger kids were looking around in the bushes. We ran to where they were and asked, What are you looking for? And they said, A snake. We started helping them look, but never did find one. <laughs> Chapter 4 Well, it's 1928. We all moved about five miles closer to Idabel, to a farm called Shoneytown Farms. Virginia was born here July 9, 1928. Papa had a house up the road a little ways from Grandpa, and a little farther down, George and Bessie had a house. They each raised corn, cotton, and peanuts. Us kids went to school at a little one-room school called Shoneytown School about two miles away. Here are the names of the ones going, David 10, Viva 8, Rosa 12, William 10, and Leon Baker 8 and Cleo Baker 6, who were Aunt Bessie's two boys. One day at school, we heard two gunshots, and the teacher said, it is breaking the law for someone to shoot a gun so close to a school. Then. Someone came to the door and told the teacher, don't let the kids out for a while. There has been a murder-suicide across the road. Mr. Byers shot his wife and himself. They let school out for a few days. I'm sorry about the deaths, but glad about no school. I remember William and me would swipe snuff from Grandma and hide it under their house, which was about 18 inches off the ground. I will never forget the first dip of snuff I took. 
It made me so sick, I said I would never do it again. But I did. George and Bessie would have dances at their house. The next morning, William and I would go over to their house and we would find two long already rolled cigarette butts that the rich people from Idabel threw out <laughs> and tried to smoke them. <coughs> well, so much for our meanness. Mama's eyes started bothering her worse. She has always had weak eyes. So Papa had Amos Taylor take her to a doctor in Tyler, Texas. She stayed there for a week or so. When she came home, she could see a little better. She could see Virginia pretty good for the first time. Mama would make a big kettle full of corn and make hominy out in the yard. The kettle was hanging from a hanger Papa made. One day, Papa was cutting wood in the front yard when Roy Lee Baker and Barney Henthorne came by, and they were drunk. Roy Lee started calling Papa names. He started toward them with the axe in his hand. Then he stopped and threw the axe down and started after them. Barney said, Burley, don't let him bother you. I will take care of him. And he took him to George's house and put him to bed. The next morning, Papa talked to him. He said he didn't remember it. One night Guy and George had trot lines out in Norwood Creek. They caught a snapping turtle, the biggest one they had ever seen. It weighed 105 pounds. Grandpa made chili out of it and fed the whole neighborhood. It sure was good, especially the soda pop. Well, it's about time to move again. But before we do, I want to go back and put in something else here in this place. That just came to me. Papa had a dog named Watch that we had quite a while before we went to Arkansas in the covered wagon. Watch was the daddy of the pups that I mentioned in Chapter 1 when Inez was born. We couldn't take him with us, so we left him with Grandpa and Grandma, and Papa got him back when we came back. He would go everywhere Papa would. He would tree a coon or a squirrel or catch a rabbit, and even bring the cow in at milking time. Then, he was missing for two or three days, and Papa and me went looking for him, and found him in the heavy brush. He wouldn't get up, so Papa said, just leave him there. That's what he wants. Chapter 5 In 1929, we moved on Mr. Taylor's place. His son, Amos, is the one that took Mama to the eye doctor in Texas. George and Bessie didn't move over here with us. It was farther from school, so we didn't go to school that year at all. It's a wonder we got as smart as we did. As I said before, we were about a mile from Guy and Grandpa and all. Guy had a blacksmith shop and Grandpa did the farming. Papa farmed the back part of Mr. Taylor's property. Mr. Taylor had about 60 acres of ribbon cane. In the fall they would make syrup. I would take a glass and catch ribbon cane juice and drink it. We used to stack peanuts in the barn, and, on rainy days, we would all go to the barn and pick peanuts off the vine and put them in sacks. Well, our year is almost up. We're getting ready to move. This time it's Clear Lake, about 25 miles, on Mr. Gray's place on the farm. We called him Old Man Gray. We had rainy weather on this move. There was one stretch of road called Mud Line. We would have to stop about every 100 yards and clean the mud out of the spokes on the wheels before the horses could pull it. We finally got to where we were headed to Old Man Gray's place. 
Grandma and Grandpa's place had five rooms and an outhouse with two holes. It had a big farm and a pecan orchard, 25 acres. And we had only a three-room house with a one-holer outhouse. Oh well, you don't need company in one of those kind of places, anyway. We all planted and worked the place together, cotton, corn, and potatoes. There was a creek between our place and Grandpa's place. The year is 1930 now. We didn't have an excuse for not going to school. There was one on the corner about 200 yards from our house and a teacher whose word was law. If she said it's going to rain, you had better wear a slicker. Her name was Mrs. Oliver from Tom, Oklahoma. When she taught you something, you didn't forget it. She helped us catch up with all the time we lost before. Well, enough about school, for now. One day we had a swarm of bees on a tree limb behind our house. Papa put a mosquito net over his hat and head. Then he went out and put them in a box until he could build a hive. The next day, when he was moving them from the box to the hive, they got under the netting. I think he forgot what kind of a knot he tied, but he finally got it off. And he had lumps on top of lumps all over his face, but that didn't stop him. He made him another netting and went back and finished the job. I would go with him to the woods and cut down a bee tree and take a smoker and run the bees off. He would cut a hole in the side of the tree. I forgot to mention the tree was hollow. We would take out the honey. It was enough for the whole clan. Hunting and fishing was good all the time. Men in the community would catch a lot of fish, and the church people would put on a big fish fry and invite people from Idabel, Hayworth, and a few other places. They would cook the fish in a big wash kettle full of grease. I can remember two or three times they would do that. Yum, yum. Getting back to the book, do you have any favorite stories that you've read? Well, there was a couple of things in there that struck me kind of funny. First, whenever he and some other boys went behind this outhouse and took a limb with some dry leaves on it and shook it and there were some girls inside the outhouse and they come out screaming like they were at an elvis presley concert <laughs> i love his his reference to elvis presley i love that <laughs> yeah and the other one i liked uh, was when he when papa lit a, some corn shucks under mule's tail to get him to move all they needed to do was strike a match in the future and the mule was ready to go. Oh, wow. I, I'd forgotten that one. That must be in a chapter six. <laughs> he had so many funny stories. Yeah. And how he remembered those, I don't know. I know. I say that every time. Unbelievable. I'm going to change the subject now to your piano playing. Uncle Bill is the one that plays the piano music for the podcast. Bill recorded a whole bunch of piano music and gave all of us a CD of it. And I just took that and listened to him and then took little pieces of it and made the introduction and exit and all that kind of music. Yeah, you did quite well with that, I thought. I had so much fun listening to all of your music on headphones. It was like I was there. It was, it's so good. And I want you to tell me a little background about how you learned how to play the piano, how old you were, all that kind of stuff. In the early years, in the 1940s, in Slayton, we used to have what we call musicals. And people would bring their instruments over to someone's house and they would all sit down and play music. 
I didn't have an instrument except the piano. Even though I didn't really know how to play it, I kind of pecked around while the other people were playing their music. How old were you then? I think I was around eight or nine. Wow. And uh, then later on, my uncle Guy, who was my foster father, played the fiddle and he would play and I would kind of play rhythm behind him on the piano. That's pretty much how I learned how to play the piano. Did you just play what you heard or what sounded good or your fingers just knew where to go? Oh, no, they didn't know where to go. (laughs) My ears were doing most of it. People keep telling me I should use my fingers instead of my ears. (laughs) You do a great job. Did it take you a long time to learn the chords and all of that fancy jazz type stuff, or did it come natural to you? Oh, that took a lot of years. I started playing in several bands, playing the piano. That's how I got into it. And I played in a lot of different bands and professionally. Absolutely great. I think everybody wishes they could play by ear like that. I know I do. I took lessons for a few years. It didn't do any good. Well, going back to the beginning, I did take a few piano lessons. I'd forgotten about that, but I only took about five or six. And that was when I determined I didn't like what she was teaching me. So I started playing by ear. (laughs) You're supposed to say, I forgot to mention. Uh, Yeah, I did. I forgot to mention. Yeah. (laughs) Daddy always says, oh, I forgot to mention. (laughs) I still am amazed at at his remembrance of all those different dates and uh, places they lived. And the way he writes it in order. Yeah. Like I said before, he was writing with a pen and he's writing it in order. That's why he says, oh, I forgot to mention, but he doesn't do it that often. I remember a lot of places I lived, but I have no clue what year it was. I don't even remember some of my classmates, much less all those kind of things that he remembered. But, you know, I've read this book many years ago and reading it again, I find it hard to put down. Yeah, Brenda did that, too. She read through it within a few days. It is very hard to put down. We haven't even got to the point where I'm born yet, so I don't know. So you don't know what's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. (laughs) I know. It'll be a while before you're born (laughs) with all these girls in between. Yeah, his story about Mama and her sight was kind of sad. Yeah, it was. And, you know, Aunt Ruth knows all those stories about leading Grandma around her mother and Daddy's mother, in other words, Mama in this podcast, because she couldn't see. Ruth had very interesting stories. We'll have to get her to write a book. Yeah, I think she remembers some of these stories a little differently than he told it. Not not drastically different, but just little details. Oh, yeah. I remember uh, Dave telling me a story. It wasn't in the book, but he was telling me a story one time about how he walked Mama down the road to take her places because she couldn't see. I know uh, Mary, uh, or Inez, as he refers to her in the book, she disputed a lot of the dates that he used in here, but I don't know that he was wrong. It's just that she remembered it differently. Right. Who knows? But he's close. (laughs) That's the way I look at it. We'll have to say that his remembrance is correct. It sounds good. He wrote it down, so it's real. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Uncle Bill, I thank you very much for talking to me. And thank you so much, Uncle Bill, for letting me use your music and my podcast. Well, I appreciate your invitation. I hope it's helped. It really means a lot to have your music represented with the telling of your brother's story. Thank you, Bill. Please come back to hear all of the many different stories of my dad's life. Each chapter and episode will take you on adventures as he grows up. And don't forget to press subscribe so you can come back and listen to the real life stories. Because I want you to be able to envision his world through your ears. 
And goodness gracious, out loud a gizmo, you're in for a wonderful adventure. Bye-bye now. This podcast was hosted by Sylvia Gant. Thanks to my dad, Dave Pickett, for writing the stories. A special thanks to Uncle Bill Pickett for the piano music.